0: Thank you to Revive Band for being part of worship this morning. Isn't it neat to see young people serve the Lord? I get excited to see young people do. If you have your Bible, uh, go with me to Matthew uh, chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. We're going to take the next couple of weeks together as a family going back uh, back to the book of Matthew. So it's going to be Matthew 9, 10, 11, uh, in there so if you like to read ahead uh just giving you some heads up that's where we're headed that's where we're going but this morning as you go to Matthew chapter 9 just um we haven't been in Matthew for a little while so I want to just remind you that it was uh it was written um to Jewish believers so Matthew's going to write some things uh do we lose do we have a no signal huh all right well whatever we'll leave that a go for now so as he writes, um, he's going to say some things in, in Jewish culture that'll be like, "Wow, really!" And to us, be like, "Ah, this doesn't really make a whole lot of sense." So Matthew chapter nine, pick it up in verse one. Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own town. Some men brought some men brought to him a man or to him a paralytic lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, "Take heart." son, your sins are forgiven. I want you to stop there. We're going to see two people in this chunk of scripture from, from uh, Matthew chapter 9, verse 1, all the way down to 13. Two individuals, one the paralytic, the other one's going to be the tax collector. Now, what's interesting as you read Most of us don't know the underlying thing that Matthew is going to highlight. And you can see this in in the other Gospels as well. He writes in Mark as well. So you get a chance, if you'd like to do some further reading, you can read over and see there where it talks in Mark, also read it in Luke. But what you and I, when we come this passage of Scripture, we don't realize that this individual that's a paralytic has pretty much lived their whole life thinking that they're paralyzed because of the consequences of sin. So this individual stuck on this mat because somebody had sinned. And now the Jewish believers would go around and say to this individual, yeah, this is your problem, it's a consequences to your parents, or you've done something wrong, so you're going to suffer. Now, it's interesting to me as I read this passage of Scripture, I walk into this passage of Scripture thinking my own little thoughts. first thought is I walk into this passage of thinking, thinking Lord, really? This individual, you're going to say to him, Jesus, you're going to say to this person, take heart, your sins are forgiven. Really? That's what you're going to say to him? If I'm this individual and I'm before Jesus, I want my sins forgiven, yes, but I want to walk. I want to get up off this mat because we don't know how old this individual is. We don't know how long they've been stuck on this mat. All we know is that there's some individuals that wanted this person to meet Jesus and they went to great extremes to make it happen. They carried the individual. They take him to the second floor. They open up the roof. They drop this person down, and now here's Jesus. It would be awesome over your lifetime if you had four friends like this individual had. This individual's friends was willing to sacrifice. This individual's friends were willing to peel back the roof just so this guy could meet Jesus. That's what he wanted. So now if you're the individual that's on the mat... How embarrassing to be dropped down. Can you imagine being dropped down from the roof of a building? And you've been paralyzed pretty much your whole life. I, I'm assuming. I don't know all the details. And then Jesus says to you, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. The individual for years, their whole life, had been mocked and ridiculed, saying, That's your problem you're living in sin, you're suffering for your sin. Their whole life now, for the first time, somebody's going to look them in the eye, who is it? Jesus, the Messiah, and he's going to say to them, take heart, your sins are forgiven. Let me ask you a question this morning. Are you excited this morning that your sins are forgiven? And I know it's something we can say here in church, right? We're here. But are, does it really matter to you? Is there something inside of your soul where you think, you know what, today I'm living a new day and I've been forgiven. I don't have to worry about tomorrow or yesterday. Now, I know that it's easy for us sitting in here and say, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm excited, but most of us in this building sit here living in the past, that we haven't grasped the concept, you know what, I am forgiven. I don't owe for yesterday. For five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 25 years ago. We don't know. We're forgiven. And so when we wake up today or tomorrow, never take for granted that your sins are forgiven. Never forget the day. I mean, it's great to sing, We Will Remember. I love that song. But you have to purpose that in your heart to remember tomorrow that you're free if you have Jesus. That you are not walking around a sinner. You're not walking around condemned. There's no condemnation between me and Christ Jesus. Why? Because Christ was willing to die on the cross for my sins. Another interesting thing about this passage of Scripture, with Christ, all things are possible. When you look at these words that Jesus says to this individual who had no hope, now all of a sudden, because Jesus is introduced into their life, they have hope. No matter where we are this morning, if you're introduced to Jesus, you have hope. No matter where you are. No matter if you're coming off the mountaintop this week or if you come from the valley. This morning, as you look at the Word of God, it's very interesting to me that Matthew records some things that I think we as church people need to see. Because it's interesting to me that this individual whose sins are forgiven, whose life will never be the same for eternity, okay? Forgiveness of sins matters for eternity. Getting up off the mat and walk is a temporary gift. This individual is going to die. I don't know how much longer they're going to live, but I know for a fact they're gone. And what matters now is not if this individual is walking, but if this individual's sins are forgiven, if they put their faith in Christ. That matters for eternity, Interesting. The church people that were in the room, that were in the house, look at their thoughts in verse 3. At this, some of the teachers of the law, church people, you know what they were doing? They were high-fiving each other because they were so excited because this man found forgiveness. Is that what they're doing? No, it's not. They're sitting in the room thinking, how can this guy, Jesus, forgive sins? Look at it. Jesus Jesus knows. At this point, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, this fellow is blasphemy. He's a blasphemer. He can't forgive sins. He's not God. Stop. Pause. Teachers of the law, what did they know? They knew Old Testament. Teachers of the law should have been walking around watching this Jesus and say, wait a minute, there's something different about this guy. We've heard about this Messiah. He does miraculous things. People's lives are never the same when this guy shows up. He's walking around serving people. He cares about people. The teachers of the law didn't want this Jesus because they weren't interested in people. You know what's very interesting is? These teachers of the law had no need for salvation. They had it all figured out. Just ask them. We know what we need to do. We'll obey the law. We'll do this. We'll do this. We'll do this. Their lives weren't about people. They were about being served and not serving. They hated Jesus. And as this goes along, there's going to be this tension between the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, so much so that they're the ones who are going to end up making sure Jesus dies. The church people. And so Jesus addresses them, knowing their thoughts in verse 4. He says this, why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? Now, stop before you read this next verse. All of you have been in a situation where there's been power struggles. And there's been opportunities for you that you wanted to flex your muscle and say, listen, I'm in charge here. This is the way it's going to be. So you have this little power struggle taking place. You got the teachers of the law that are thinking these things instead of welcoming this Messiah and say, "Yes, I want to. Be, I want you to be part of my life." They're not. They're saying, "You, what? You're a blasphemer." Look what happens. Look at what happens in verse um, six. But so that you who who's important for them to know, the teachers of the law. So that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So that you know this, I'm just not going to walk into this house. I'm not just going to let this person be dropped down from the roof. I'm not going to let this individual just disrupted our, it dis, you know, disrupted our meeting. I'm not just going to say, yeah, your sins are forgiven. So that you know that I am the Son of God. I'm going to do something for you. I'm going to say to this individual, you get up off your mat and walk. Now you take that, teachers of the law, because I am the Messiah. And I don't care what you think. There's going to be one way to get to our Savior, one way for eternal life, and it's forgiveness through the Son. His name is Jesus Christ, the one that is standing in the room in Matthew chapter 9, being judged and criticized by the teachers of the law, by the church people. He said, guess what? I don't care what you think. Get up and walk. That person's life that got up and walked was never the same. Look what happens at the end of the passage. In the, the man that got up and went home, when the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe and they praised God. Interesting Jesus didn't take any recognition for this. Do you find that Interesting. There was no stop for Jesus to say, hey, by the way, that was me. (laughs) I'm the son of man. I'll take all the credit. Now go ahead and bow down and worship me. He didn't do it. But the crowd was in awe. Why? Because there was an individual for most of their life, this man that was stuck on this mat until he met our Savior. Until our Savior called him son. Can you imagine what it was like to be called son by Jesus? Son, take heart. Son, your sins are forgiven. I know they've been talking about you for years. It's okay. Son, take up your mat and walk. This morning you come face to face with Matthew chapter 9, and as you look at Matthew chapter 9, I want you to see in the first couple of verses that forgiveness is the best gift because it's an eternal gift. Never get over that. Guys, I promise you, no matter what money you spend on Valentine's Day, next Valentine's Day, she's probably not going to remember what you bought her this Valentine's Day because it's a temporary gift. Well, maybe I should rephrase that. If the diamonds are big enough, she'll probably remember. If it's chocolate, she won't remember. This morning, I want you to see something. Forgiveness is an eternal gift. Never get over the eternal gift. There's a temptation for us to look for the temporary gift. There's a temptation for us as you go through life. Lord, just get me off the mat. Just get me off the mat, Lord. I want to walk. No, he set you free. You got forgiveness of your sin. Next thing that I want you to see is in verse 9. And Jesus went on from there. He saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth, and he said, follow me. He told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. Interesting As you read through Matthew, you and I were just thinking, well, tax collector. But in that society, this Jewish person by the name of Matthew decided to part sides with the Romans because it was going to be financially better for Matthew to work as a tax collector to sit at a booth. The Romans were going to charge a certain percentage for taxes, and all of us Jews had to come pay our fees And then Matthew said, well, okay, if it's 5%, I want 7% because 5% goes to the Romans and 2% goes to me. Or if you were a tax collector, you expected some of the more wealthy Jews to come to you and say, listen, I made X amount of dollars this year. I'm sure there wasn't a W-4 form back then, but there was an amount that they knew how much they made, and they wanted Matthew to drop that amount down because they didn't want to pay the taxes. You know what interesting was? Matthew would drop the amount down, and then Matthew would pocket some more money in his own pocket. So when you read Matthew chapter 9, and you just kind of look at this thing, you read through tax collectors, you need to know in your soul that the Jewish people did not like tax collectors. They were almost like the worst person in that society because they were traitors. They didn't care about the Jews. They cared about their pockets. And so as you read through Matthew chapter 9 and you get a chance to see, and Jesus went from there and he saw this man by the name of Matthew and he said to Matthew, follow me. Matthew, there must have been a stirring in Matthew's heart that when he saw this Jesus walk by and all Jesus said to him, follow me. Was Matthew in the room here at the beginning of Matthew chapter 9? I don't know. All I know that there was something stirring in Matthew's heart, and when this Messiah walked by, Matthew just didn't get up and put all of his stuff together, collect all of his money, and go with Jesus. He left it all behind. He said, all I need is that person. I just need that Jesus guy. Wherever you go, I'll follow you. You know what's Interesting is that the the gospel actually affected Matthew's life. You know how I know that? Read on. See what happens. Matthew's going to have a banquet. And you know what Matthew doesn't invite, or he does not invite? The teachers of the law. He didn't invite the Pharisees. He invited the sinners. Is it interesting to you? This wasn't something that Matthew's just going to keep to himself. This wasn't something that Matthew was just going to sit in his seat and say, oh yeah, it's not a big deal, it's the gospel. No, it was something that was going to transform Matthew's life. And it came such a, and I don't know if Matthew paid for this. All we read here is that Matthew's going to gather tax collectors and sinners where? At his house. Why? Because he wanted those individuals to meet this Jesus guy. So he said, come on over to my house. Come sit with him. I'll feed you. I told first that it was probably steak and lobster, but they corrected me. They didn't think it was steak and lobster. So whatever the meal was, I don't know, but there was a banquet. The word of God is clear. While Jesus was having dinner with Matt at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came, and they ate with him and his disciples. When the teachers of the law saw this, they said, wow, this is exciting. I can't wait for the gospel to go out. People's lives are going to be radically changed because they're sitting with Jesus. Is that what your Bible says? It's not what my Bible says. My Bible says, when the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answers the question at the end of verse 13. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous. But it came for sinners. I don't know if that gets you excited this morning, but I am so thankful that Jesus didn't come for the goody two shoes. He came for me, a sinner. He didn't come for this person over here, or that person. He came for all of us. So let me ask you a question Who's at your banquet table? Who do you want to introduce him to? How has he radically changed your life that you can't wait to say, hey, I want to introduce you to this Jesus. He's helped me. He set me free. He gave me forgiveness of my sin. I'm not saying that we need to buy every sign and stand outside and hold up our sign and say, if you don't know Jesus, you need to repent. But it's just, this is a good question. Where do you interact with sinners? Over the next couple of weeks, out these doors on this corner over here, we have a map. It's the map of Highlands County. First thing that we're going to do, they're not there yet, so don't try to do it today. We're going to buy some pushpins, and I want, to, I want, you, to, I want you to go ahead and identify where you live. Just show us where you live. You don't, we're not going to draw names and lines, All oh, you know, Patterson's live over here, you know, Bankson's live there, Griffin's live here. That's not what we're doing, okay? We're doing this because I want us to see the county where our homes are. And then I'm going to ask you to do something after that. I'm going to ask you to show me where you work. And then I want us to go and step back and look at the map and say, you know what? These are the points of light in our community for sinners. So let's make a difference. It's an opportunity for us that have been affected by the gospel to allow people into our lives so we can infect them with the gospel. So this morning the revived team is going to end with a song that's you know it's kind of one of our favorites. It's been, it's one of my favorites. I love it because it's about the gospel. And it's not about the gospel just so that we, oh, it feels good, the harmonies are nice, the words are wonderful. But if there's something going on inside of you, then let it out. If the gospel's going on inside of you, then share it with somebody. Because the last time that we've checked, there are people that are broken in our community. And you know what's going to be interesting is they don't care what you think. They don't care about your preferences. They care about if you love them. And if you love them, guess what? Then you get an opportunity to introduce them to the gospel. I want you to pray with me, and then Revive is going to close our service. So, Father, we've sat with your word. So, Lord, as we've sat with it, we see what you've done in the paralyzed person's life. you you forgave their sins, and you demonstrated to the church people that you had the power to do whatever you wanted to do. And there were many people that were in awe of you that day, but there were some that weren't. They were critical. They were judgmental. they were thinking, God needs to work in this way. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. You, didn't, you don't work in our, in our box. You work in your box. So are you excited about the gospel this morning for you personally? Does it really matter to you? Has he changed your life? If he is, my next question, who's sitting at your table? Who's on your hit list? Who's number one that you want to hear them say yes to Jesus? Who's the sinner that you're reaching out to? Who's the tax collector that you're developing a relationship with? So that you can say, hey, I want to introduce you to my friend. He radically changed my life. His name is Jesus. Come on, church, let's be honest. Maybe we're just comfortable. Maybe there isn't anybody at our banquet table. Maybe we're just living for ourselves. Holy Spirit, you know what you need to do in our family. Jesus, thank you for being in charge. Thank you for being willing to die for us. Thank you for the gospel. Jesus, help us never get over you. And Jesus, help us always to be talking about you. Because our lives will never be the same. Because of you. We love you, Jesus. Your name, I pray. Amen. Would you stand and sing with them?